Good Sunday morning to you. This is Get Your Love on Radio here on Remnant Radio 100.1 FM. It's so awesome to be here with you today. This show is dedicated to the family of faith around the globe. You can go to getyourloveon.org for more resources, teachings, and show archives. My name is Julie Bueller. We're here to feed your soul, and today is a powerful show. So excited that you get to be here for it. If you're sick of milk toast, If you want real solutions and real tools to be victorious in every day of this life, to leave off the pain of the past, the hurt of the past, the rejection of the past, to leave all that and walk in newness of life, if you want the meat of the word, this show is for you. We're going to learn about spirits today. We're getting right into it. Learning about spirits. Spirits torment people. And they afflict families and individuals, and only God has the power to deliver a soul from evil spirits. Not psychology, not self-help books, only the Spirit of God. Now, we regularly hear, quote, people wrestling with inner demons. And a lot of times that's just tossed around as though that's no big deal, just par for the course. But it's very real. There are inner demons, and God has very real solutions for a soul that wants to get totally rid of those demons. I'll give you an analogy. If there's a plumbing problem in your house, either a small leak, something little, something that seems to be just a little leak, or maybe a massive issue, maybe you had a pipe burst, maybe a faucet blew off, and you've got a huge mess, regardless of the problem, we need the right tools and the right knowledge to first find that problem, the real source of it, recognize it, and then yes, resolve it properly and permanently. Now, does it help to just turn the water off if you've got a plumbing problem? Not really. Nope, that doesn't help. And does it help to just ignore that leak or that blown faucet? Or that blown. Does it help to just try to brush it under the rug? Heck no. It's the same thing with spirits. We need knowledge to actually overcome and actually be delivered from wrong spirits, from any and all, quote, inner demons. That's a reality that Satan has tried to diminish. True deliverance starts with water baptism and being filled with the Holy Spirit. It opens our eyes, allows us to see real spiritual matters. And too many are are naive and too many are not being taught about this. We need this teaching in our lives. We need to understand it. We need to understand it on multiple levels in multiple different ways. This is incredibly important knowledge. Jesus Christ healed with the word of God, and that's our example. We need the tools that God has provided and the power and authority that God has provided to overcome wrong spirits and deliver a soul to maintain and grow in this glorious walk of faith. It's so wonderful. It does require experience. Let's get to the word. Matthew 17. This is Chapter 17, this is verse 14. It requires experience, this knowledge. 
It says, And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him, this is speaking of Christ, a certain man, kneeling down to him, saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and sore vexed, and oft times he falleth into the fire, and oft into the water. And I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. Beloved friends, that's true authority. It's effective. It's not wishy-washy. Christ didn't say, well, let me try to understand him first. Nope. Christ went straight to at the source. Those, those spirits, that devil that was, that was causing that young man torment and pain and suffering. Christ didn't play patty cake or try to use psychology with the devil. He cast him out. Boom. Here's, the, here's verse 19. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, why could we not cast him out? It's a really good question. And this is a question every church leader should be asking as well. Rather than offering motivational speeches to the congregations with a little scripture just to make someone feel good right after they hear it, people need deliverance. Souls need to be free from the sin, sickness, and disease from these evil spirits that afflict heavily, from the lies that afflict the human soul so heavily. People need deliverance from that. So the disciples had a good question. Why couldn't we cast him out? Here's Christ's answer. And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say to this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible to you. Howbeit this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. So we need to believe God for deliverance. And then these, these afflicting spirits, they're, they're like these mountains that he's saying. It's just, a, it's a mountain in our life. It's a mountain of affliction. It's a mountain of opposition. Just have faith and say, get out of here and it'll go. That's what God's saying. Deliverance is true. It's real. It says too, though, howbeit this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. Oh, we take on responsibility for our walk. We get on our knees before the Lord. Lord, deliver my son. Lord, deliver my husband. Lord, deliver myself. Lord, deliver me from this addiction. Lord, deliver me from this, whatever it might be, a spirit of lust, a spirit of envy, a spirit of, a spirit of confusion. Lord, deliver me from this. Prayer, fasting. God does it. God has our solutions as we seek him. But we need to believe in him first in order to do that. If we don't have the true authority of God in our lives, we won't have true solutions for spiritual warfare. Make no mistake. You can't fake it. Spiritual warfare is very real. And and we can't fake it. For generations, Satan has put his messages out there via Hollywood and the media that actually makes fun of spiritual warfare, that kind of tries to make it seem unreal. And so Christians have been buffaloed by it. They've been convinced, oh, that's not real. I don't really have, I mean, spirits aren't real. Oh, they're very real. It's very real. And it has been. 
It's in the word, too. Go to Acts 19, verse 13. It says, Then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them, which had evil spirits, the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure you by Jesus, whom Paul preacheth. These individuals, these so-called exorcists, took it upon themselves to try to cast out these evil spirits. This is very real. It's very real. The good news is we've got the word of God as our guide. So let's learn from it. Let's seek God in it. So they attempted to take it upon themselves and put on this show. But it said in, in verse 14, And there were seven sons of one Sceva, a Jew, and chief of the priests, which did so. So these are individuals who supposedly had some re- knowledge of God. They were religious people. Here's what happened. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leapt on them and overcame them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. And this was known to all the Jews and Greeks also dwelling at Ephesus. And fear fell on them all And the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. And many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. Many of them also, which used curious arts, brought their books together and burned them before all men. And they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. When, When there isn't the true power and authority of God. These spirits, they get their way. They do whatever whatever it is they want to do. When the true power and authority of God comes on the scene, the mightily the word grows mightily and it prevails. Now I looked up the word the Greek meaning of curious arts because it says many of them also which use curious arts brought their books together and burned them before all men. So what does that curious arts mean? It means working all around, meddlesome, busybody, officious. That means having assertive, assertive of authority in an annoyingly domineering way, especially with regard to petty or trivial matters. Busybodies. Yeah, how many are afflicted by these wrong spirits, by evil spirits, by inner demons, tormented and bound in chains, and they don't even know it. And there's too many books of these curious arts, these psychology books, these patty cake books, these try to make everybody feel good books. It's busybody crap. It's, it's actually asserting a kind of authority in a really annoyingly domineering way, but it's not the true authority of God. So it doesn't actually prevail anything. It doesn't actually accomplish anything. There's too many books of these curious arts and not enough word and knowledge of God. That's why we keep a book simple here on Get Your Love On. We stick to the Word of God. That's all we need. We need it. We need the Word of God. We need the instruction and the knowledge of God. And here's the good news. When we're sincere, God gives us the tools for true deliverance, for real solutions in our lives. He shows us how to remove the wrong spirits out of our life. He does so with great love and patience and joy and graciousness. And he shows us how to replace them with his spirit, with love, joy, and peace for good. 
permanently and then walk in truth and walk in victory, not wishy-washy, strength every step of the way. The power and authority of God allows us to remove the wrong spirits and walk in the true spirit of God. And we must have that, my beloved friends. We must have it. There's no other way. Hebrews 12, verse 27, this is incredible scripture. And it explains very clearly what's going on right now in this land. And that's another reason I love the word. (laughs) It has every answer for us. Hebrews 12, 27, and this word, yet once more, signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore, are we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved? Let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. The more we seek God, the more we understand his ways, the more we serve him with that great reverence and that great godly fear, that awe, that looking at God saying, Lord, I love you. Thank you so much. And isn't that interesting too? There's many aspects of God. He has great love and he has great authority and great tenderness and great power. And you're going to hear all that today in our featured message. You're going to hear all of it. Romans eleven twenty two. it says, Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God on them which fell, severity, but toward thee, goodness, if thou continue in his goodness. Otherwise, thou also shalt be cut off. There's a lot of, there's many aspects to God. He does things with great love and great wisdom in order to keep us safe. Now, the message you're about to hear has literally changed lives forever. A woman was delivered of an evil and stubborn spirit by this message. And a family that was tossed around is now being healed and united due to this deliverance. They are now, because of this true deliverance, able to thrive before the Lord and blaze a new path in this life of faith. And there is great revival across this land. It's a beautiful thing. Hungry souls are being baptized, some being filled with that with the Holy Spirit. And that's a glorious beginning because deliverance starts with baptism. That's the start. And again, you'll hear more about that today. And there's so much more. Ministers need to know. This is something our minister today, Trish, knows very well because, here is a key, because she was raised by the authority of a true apostle. Ministers need to know that the human soul, someone who wants to know God, must be equipped with the right tools And we must know how to maintain our walk with the Lord. And that's what you're going to hear today from our beloved friend, Trish. These tools include discernment, instruction from God's word, training and authority, increased understanding, and real deliverance. We're not going to stay in one place. We're not going to get baptized and then just say, okay, we got it. Good. No way. We get to move forward in our faith. 
we get to grow and we need proper teaching and good teachers to do that. That's why the fivefold ministry is key. Ephesians 4, verse 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men, and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love, may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. We get to take on all of God. And through the ministry, through the fivefold ministry, that perfect orchestration by God Almighty, that's his work. That's his outline. That's God's incredible wisdom for each one of us. Through that, we will have the right instruction from the word of God. We will have that right training and that true authority. You know, a good coach, he's not going to tell you everything you want to hear, is he? No way. How would, how would a player improve? The coach needs to tell you things. Maybe you don't want to hear him right now, but at least you recognize that he's, he or she is doing that for your growth and prosperity. God's the same way. It means he actually loves you. When you hear things that maybe you don't want to hear, when you are offered the chance to learn about true deliverance, it's because God loves you. If you're listening to this right now, it's because God loves you so much. He wants you to have real truth and real deliverance. And that's what we get today. We get to take on all of God and we must take on all of God, not the parts that feel comfortable, not the parts that we like, but all of God and learn from him and learn about him because he's so awesome and he wants to give us everything he has planned for us. He loves a soul so much he will go to great lengths to deliver each and every one individually from evil spirits, from those inner demons. God will deliver each and every individual soul that wants him. Satan is looking to destroy souls viciously. He's actively seeking to destroy souls viciously. God is looking to deliver souls. But we can't play around with wrong spirits. We can't allow that patty cake, that I'm okay, you're okay, don't worry about it can't play patty cake with these evil spirits. We must boldly proclaim Christ's victory. I'm going to rephrase that. We get to boldly proclaim Christ's eternal victory and crush Satan every second of every day. We get to do that when we have the knowledge, when we have the training, when we have the instruction, when we have the truth. We get to do that. And when we hear the word, when we do the word, We will have the tools to maintain and build a beautiful walk with God Almighty. 
And God, in his incredible wisdom, in his awesome expanse and power, will always supply what we need. That's why Christ said, you, to the disciples that didn't cast those spirits out, it was because of unbelief. When we believe God supplies all our needs, we lean our ear towards the instruction of God, we lean our ear towards this message, and we get delivered. So let's get at, let's get after it, let's get to it. Here's the deliverance of a beautiful soul and a beautiful family who now have a wonderful life of faith in front of them. This message is called Bind and Loose, and it's from our beloved friend, Trish, raised by a true apostle, part of a true fivefold ministry. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So I'm going to start over in Matthew 8, verse 1, and this is speaking of Jesus. When he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. You know, that seems like a very simple statement, but I'm going to give a little background here and some personal um, background on myself. Uh, What Jesus was doing here was he, he came down from the mountain. That means he was up somewhere and he would go up into the mountain and he would pray. He would get his soul filled. He would get his soul filled up because he was pouring out virtue to the multitudes over in Matthew 14, and I'll just read it for you. It says in 14, verse 23, and when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. Well, I do that. I do that every day. Every day, pretty much all day long, I my mountain is in my bedchamber. Anyone that knows me knows that about me. Where do you usually find me? In my bedchamber, tucked away with the Lord, praying. And Jesus, when he had given out, when he gave out, he always went and got filled up. He would go and he would pray. Over in Mark 3, 13, it says, and he goeth up into a mountain and calleth unto him whom he would, and they came unto him. Do I ever do that? Yes. He shows us how to do it. You go, you get a hold of the Father, you see what the Father has to say, and then he would call his disciples, he would call different ones around him, and he would feed them. He would give them that word that the Father gave him. Do you know he did that as an example for us? That's the same example that I follow. It's the same example that each and every one of us needs to follow. When you're out and doing your dailies and you have busy lives, you get drained. When you speak, you're giving out virtue. When you're setting your hand to a task, you're expending energy. You're getting buffeted with all the rhetoric in the world and all the their ideas and all the mind that's out there and all the things that pound on you, on your soul. And that beautiful mind that you have that God's given you. And what do you do? You go aside, you go up into that mountain, that private place, wherever it is, tuck away and pray in your tongues. When you pray in your tongues, you get that infilling of the Holy Ghost anew, afresh, just like Jesus. He went and he had that intercessory prayer with God the Father. Do it in your car, do it in your room, 
do it in your quiet place, wherever you want to find that and get that one-on-one -on -one and get filled up again. I think I was listening to a beautiful young minister, a young man named Corey, and he referred to something Brother Bob did, that old apostle. And I was there. I watched him do it. And he took a glass of water, but he took that glass of water. So picture it in your mind. And he filled that glass up. He did. He filled it right to the very top. And then he took a piece of paper and he tore it up and he put it on top. And he says, look at this glass. It's full of water. It's like a soul that's absolutely full of the Spirit of God. Prayed up. But those little pieces of paper stayed on top. They floated on top of that water. Even though they were full, those spirits were still able to rest on them and affect them. So what he did is he took a bottle of water and he started to pour it into that cup. And when he poured that water into the cup, the cup overflowed. And guess what? Those pieces of paper fell off. So how should you keep your vessel just full? No, you want to have it overflowing. You want to have an abundance of the Spirit. Don't just settle for, oh, I'm, I'm good to go, because then you're going to have things that can land on you and trouble you. So you want to go to your private place. You want to get quiet between you and God and just pray in those tongues. And all of everything that came on during the day is going to fall off. It's going to wash away. You want to be not just full. You want to be overflowing with his spirit. So that's why I took a little bit of time to tell you what Jesus was doing up on that mountain. But look what happened. So now he is overflowing. He's coming down and he has an overflow. So when he came down from the mountain, back in Matthew 8, verse 1, great multitudes followed him. Why? They'd heard about him. They'd heard about him. So in verse 2, and behold, there came a leper and worshiped him saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. He wanted it. He said, Lord, I know you can make me clean if you will. He was pleading with him. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately the leprosy was cleansed. Isn't that something? That man wanted it. Number one, that's the key. You have to want it. You have to want that deliverance. Number two, he asked for it. Number three, he believed for it. He believed Jesus could do it. And number four, he received it. And it was immediate. And Jesus said unto him, See thou tell no man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. Now there's a lot of different reasons why Jesus would tell someone not to go tell anyone. One of them, which was very common, is if they were in an area where there's um, opposition to him, and if they were to go tell somebody, they could have talked them back under that affliction. You see where you have to stand fast on your healing? 
You have to stand fast in that deliverance. You have to stand fast and fight for it. The other thing too is Jesus knew his hour was coming and he was going to be thronged if he went and told everybody and they were just going to, you know, all close in on him, come running in. We want it. We want it. We want it. Because there's a lot of uh, people out there that they're just in it for the loaves and fishes. They want to see what they can get from Jesus. Jesus is looking for those souls that have that heart and have that desire to be available for him, to be available for his work and to be presentable as a representation of him on the face of this earth so that when souls come, they can see that same example through you that Jesus showed them. You will be doing the same things he did. You have to not do your own thing anymore. He wants people that want that will represent him and bring those sheep to the Father. Bring them in. Free them up. Give them that true example. Don't just come to them because you want something. That's a, a me-me approach. I want this and I want that and I want all the goods. No, you come ready to lay yourself down and take up for him the work. And it is um amazing walk. It's an amazing life. There's nothing like it. There's nothing that can compare. It's wonderful. So, and then verse five, and when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him. Now see, here's another man uh, that had that perfect heart, but he was beseeching the Lord here and saying, Lord, my servant, lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. Now look at the heart of that man. He was coming. He wasn't asking for himself. He was asking for his servant. And he wanted his servant to be relieved. And Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. He was moved with compassion. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to this man, go, and he goeth, and to another, come, and he cometh, and to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. And when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And I say unto you, that many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. He's telling them something here. He says, look, you've just had an example of the most incredible faith. I've never, I haven't seen it. Obviously, he's run into an awful lot. I want you to read uh, through your Bible. Do it 
in your quiet place that you go to between you and God. That's the other way you get filled. Read your word. Pray in those beautiful heavenly, that heavenly language God gives you. Pray in those tongues. Drink that word in. Have God give you the revelation of what he is actually saying in his word because it is spiritually interpreted not by the natural mind not by the letter but the the mystery of the word is opened by the revelation of the spirit and mind of god so take your time and get in there and read about it and ask jesus well what did you run into and he'll show you so what does he mean that the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Do you know that I've seen this? Do you know that I know what that looks like? It, during my life, I'll give you a little background. During my life, I thought I was a really good person. I thought I lived a very clean, wholesome, upright life. I thought I was a good person. And I based everything that I did upon everything that the world taught me to do everything that the world taught me to do. I did it with all my, my might. And, but I'm telling you, there were stuff out there that I'd just been lied to. And I was doing things that I believed were okay. That yeah, was acceptable. Yeah, this is just fine. And it wasn't in the sight of God, but nobody had told me that before. And when somebody did come and tell me about it, I'm going, whoa, I'm not going to do that anymore. I repented. I said, Lord, I want to start all new. And you show me what you think is right what you are pleased with because I've been lied to I was told these things were okay I've been lied to that night after I got baptized and I got filled with the Holy Ghost the Lord came to me and he just took me by the hand and he took me down this it was like a manhole and we went down down this manhole it just went down down into the depths of the earth and it was a spiritual place. I went down there and down, it was this round culvert, huge round culvert, maybe the, almost the height of this room around. And I looked down at the end of the culvert and there was some light down there and there was a big metal door and it was open. So it let some light in so I could see. And it was uh, damp and dark and there was, you know, water on the ground, just a, a little bit of water on the ground and slime on the walls of, the, of this round. Oh, it was terrible. And then all of, I looked around and I, I just gasped. Oh, because there were people there. There were people there. And I watched them. And they were screaming and clawing and gnashing. Oh, it was horrible. And they were trying to climb out and they couldn't move an inch. Weeping and wailing and gnashing. And they were clawing and literally ripping their nails off trying to get out. And could not move. Could not get out. And I looked down at that door and it just went, whoa, big hollow sound. And it was absolutely black. And bam, we went up. And the Lord turned to me and he said, that's what you just came out of. If I had not done what the Lord had instructed me to do, get baptized, get filled with his spirit, repent, repent of my old ways, and take on a whole new behavior, 
a whole new way of looking at things and a whole new way of doing things. He said, that would have been where you would have gone when you left this life. And I was lifted up and brought into the kingdom of God and his righteousness. But he said, that's where you would have ended up. I just shook. I wasn't afraid. It was just such a revelation and a realization of someone that was walking around on the face of this earth. And you're going to look at them all over the place and they think they're just fine. They think they're just fine. They're going to be just fine. And it's not. It's going to be a shocker. It's going to be a real shocker. So yes, I'll do whatever the Lord gives me to do to prevent a soul from going there and ending up like that. So I knew about that outer darkness and that weeping and gnashing of teeth. So why were they sent there? Well, over in Matthew 21, verse 43, I'm going to very briefly tell you, therefore I say unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation, bringing forth the fruits thereof. You have to bear fruit. See, they had the, now these ones that he's talking about, they had the kingdom of God. He's talking about the religious world at that time. Ones that were professing to know the Lord, professing that they were a Christian, but they weren't doing it. They weren't bringing forth fruit. I'm going to just read a little outline here from Matthew 25. I'm going to start in verse 41. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels, his influence. For I was a hungered, and you gave me no meat. Have you made a meal for another person? I know this woman would really appreciate having a meal made for her. Ye gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. Now that hunger and that thirst can come in many forms. Does she need help? Does she need support? Does she need comfort? Does she need edification? Yeah, I was a stranger, and ye took me not in. Naked, and ye clothed me not. Sick, and in prison, and ye visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee and hungered, or a thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto thee? I'm just going to use her as an example. Do you mind, dear? I'm going to use her as an example. Because the Lord told me to. Because I see your record. You're a very giving, you're a very kind woman. And you give, and you give, and you give. And you're very deserving to have that labor lifted off of you and others to pour into you. You really do deserve it, dear. And it's an opportunity for others to get that great blessing that the, that the sheep get, not these goats. Okay, when did we not minister to thee? Then shall he answer them saying, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye did it not to one of the least of these, you did it not to me. If this one needed help, and there were ones that were able to help and didn't do it, that's the Lord's answer. That's the Lord's answer. I want you to know that. 
Now, I am just using her as an example. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. When I heard about that, I immediately started to take up, in, as a young Christian, I immediately started to take up and I saw the labor that um, the older ones had put in. So I'm going, well, I'm going to help out here. And uh, they were busy in their chamber, waiting on the Lord, deliberating over the people. And so I said, well, I'm going to help you clean your house. I'm going to help you clean your house. So I would go in their home. I would take a toothbrush. I would, this, my mindset, if I'm going to do something, I'm going all out. I'm going to do it all out to the very best of my ability with all my might, with all my heart. And I would take an old, not a new toothbrush that I used. I would take an old toothbrush and I would take a bunch of Q-tips. <laughs> so that's a little indicator of how intense the cleaning was. And the other thing that I'd been taught, as soon as I learned it, I took it on. I started doing it. So I went in. I was just full of gusto. Yay. I'm glad. It's paid off. I think I'll stay that way all my days. It's a good way to stay. So anyway, I, I would go in there and I'm going, well, I'm not just going to clean the surface stuff. I'm going to clean the air. I'm going to clean this house, not just on the outward, the natural things. I'm going to clean it in the spirit. So while I was scrubbing and getting my Q-tip in those corners and taking my toothbrush and, you know, cleaning around, doing the, I would go from one end to the other. I would be praying in my tongues. So I wasn't just cleaning the outside of everything. I was cleaning the air too. And what was so amazing is I would work very, very hard. And as soon as I got the very last thing done and I'm praying in tongues with all my might, as soon as it was all finished, that's when they would come home and I would be all done. So their home was ready. I didn't need accolades. I didn't need anything. All I needed to do was know that I pleased God. I bore fruit and that when I enter in, he'll say, enter in thou good and faithful servant. I saw you when you did it to the least of these. I saw you and I'm going, oh, yay. I got my reward and I went out knowing I'd received from God and that they would be blessed, that that burden was taken off of them and they would have rest. They would be blessed. They would be comforted. And all my days, that's why when I come in a home, I see how can I minister to this person? Even in the simplest little ways, what can I do to make sure that their home is entreated carefully? and with love and consideration. So the Lord, he did. He gave me a great and wonderful gift in that. I wanted to share that with you. So when you're embarking in a brand new journey with the Lord, have that mind in you. Be prepared to take up whatever you can. Have the Lord say, Lord, Lord, just pray in your tongues. Lord, Lord, what can I do? Just look, Let lay your eyes on it and listen to him. Oh, can you pick that up? Oh, this needs to be done. Oh, um, take out and vacuum that or sweep this or whatever. 
And when you do it, clean the air too. Whatever it is, it could be any number of things. Does that person need a hug? Do they need an encouraging word? When you're praying, God will show you exactly what they need. And especially when you're young and able, take up and do those things that when you're older and a little more worn, you're not having to still carry it. It's just a good thing. Um, do your children do that for you? They do, don't they? Do your children do that for you? They do. Our daughter does. She still cares for us. She's there 24-7 at our beck and call whenever we need something because they know, she knows the labor that we've labored. She knows the what we've had to lay down. And she's there to take up so that we can be freed up to do other things. And also so that we'll live longer. <laughs> I will live longer. Because, you know, these bodies wear out. Repetitive motion is going to wear out. So I, I bring bendy people with me. So they can bend. I can bend down and pick things up. But they're more bendy. So they can. I have bendy people come with me. <laughs> I'm giving you some tips of how to get your polish in the kingdom of God, how to get your mansion that you right now, brand new Christians, are building in the heavenly places in the temple of God. You are building a mansion right now by every time you do something selfless for the Lord, for a soul. And now this, this soldier, this, this centurion, He's, he's entreating for a servant and God's heart was so moved and he was so, he knew all Jesus had to do was speak. Now I'm going to lay this down in you. How powerful are your words? So now we know, now here's some of the fruits that get in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. I'll just read them off really quick. But the fruit of the Spirit. See, Jesus said, I'm going to take the kingdom from those that don't bear fruit. So the fruit of the Spirit is love. Are you showing your love one to another? When you're taking up a, the care of somebody, you're showing love to them. Love is very selfless. It's very giving. It's very hands-on doing. Joy. Are you full of joy? To see, am I bearing fruit? Am I full of joy right now? Or am I being pissy? Think about it. Say, well, Lord... I want joy because I want to be showing your fruits so that when I see you, when I leave this life, you'll enter me in. So Lord, give me joy. Joy, 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 joy. Just walk around. I heard a little gal, she got in her car and she said, she just called out in her car. I love the Lord more than anything. I love the Lord more than anything. I love the Lord more than anything. Next thing you know, she was just bursting at the seams, but she made her declaration. You see, I want joy. Joy, 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 joy. Do it. Peace. If there's turmoil, just say no. Peace. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Peace. Peace, 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 peace. Peace. Just proclaim peace. Use your voice and have the Lord. The Lord will meet you there and pray in your tongues and proclaim peace. Long suffering. Very patient. Not a hot head, <laughs> not a short fuse. Long suffering. If it takes a while for someone to learn something, have patience. Long suffering. Or if it takes a while for the Lord to fulfill something, 
be long-suffering with him. He'll, he'll do it. Or if you need to be delivered from something, be long-suffering. Whatever it is, just stick with the Lord and say, well, joy, 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 joy. Love, 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 love. I'm going to keep doing it. And you know he will fulfill whatever it is you need to have fulfilled. Gentleness. Be gentle. Don't be harsh with one another. Be tender and gentle and kind. Goodness. Whatever you do, have it filled with goodness. Faith. Have that faith. That absolute, unshakable, unmovable, steadfast. I know if, Jesus, if you just say it, it's done. Faith. You say it in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, it's done. Meekness. Not a bully. Not coming in and barking and pushing people around. Temperance. Stay level and don't overdo anything. Keep a balance. Just keep a balance in your life. Against such there is no law. So just get Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Write it out maybe. Put it on your wall. Put it somewhere where you can reflect on it. And say, am I demonstrating all of these things? Anything starts to crop up. Does this line up here? Yeah, just go to it. Go to the Lord. Go to his word. Pray in that heavenly language. Just let it come out. Just pray in that heavenly language. Yes, you do have it. You do, you do. <laughs> just let it out. Have the faith. Thank you for filling me, Lord. That's it. Just let it out. So let's go back to Matthew 8. So here this centurion came to him. And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way, and as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. There's the key word. You have to believe it. And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour because he believed it. He asked for it and he believed it. And, was, and when Jesus was come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid and sick of a fever. And he touched her hand. And the fever left her, and she arose and ministered unto them. She just right away got up and began to minister to them, taking care of them, I'm sure. She fed them and gave them whatever they needed. And when even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. And he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick. Did that last week, didn't we? Well, that thing had to leave. Did anybody see a change in her countenance? It's going to get brighter and brighter and brighter. Didn't God give you a commission now? It's your, your turn to do your part. That's right. So she, I know she's making notes, mom. This young woman is making notes. You are, aren't you? How to do this, how to keep your vessel clean. And I'll tell you why. I will tell you why. So he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick. See, God showed me her body is perfectly whole. There is nothing wrong with her physical body. It's all the demon control that has plagued and played with her all these years. And those things leave at the name and commandment and word 
of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. They're gone. Keep them gone. James 4, 7, and this is what I gave her last week, and I'll, I'll say it again. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Just go to him. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That, is, that doesn't say he might. If you resist him, he will flee. He will flee. And he'll do that for every single soul. Now, I am just using this beautiful woman, and I'm sure you don't mind me using you for an example, do you, dear? There you go. Thank you, sweetheart. You're so darling and precious to the heart of the Lord. But there's so many souls out here that out there that need to hear these things. They need to know that God is real today and does these things today. Thank you so much, darling. You're very sweet. See, she's not all puffed up. Not at all. Not at all. See, you're being, you're already being used by the Lord. Mm -hmm. All right. All right. So now we know when you resist the devil, he will flee. Just resist him. Just resist him. Over in Jeremiah 4, 14, O Jerusalem, wash thine heart from wickedness that thou mayest be saved. How long shall thy vain thoughts lodge within thee? Do you see how you have to start discerning vain thoughts and root them out and get rid of them? Do you see how I'm giving you a whole new approach to things right now? So for, like I said, the very first thing I said, Lord, I want to know what you think. I know what the vanity was spoken in my mind and what my thoughts were before. And I know what I thought about things and I found out it was vain. I'm going, I don't want those thoughts anymore. I don't want those responses anymore. Lord, what do you think and how do you respond? And I removed those vain thoughts, the way I used to do things, the way I used to think about things. I removed them and I took on the way God thought. So how long shall thy vain thoughts, and you notice how it belonged to that person, not to God, lodge in thee? Get rid of those vain thoughts. How do you do it? You get in your word. You pray in your tongues and ask God, Lord, keep my vessel clean. You've cleaned me out. You keep my vessel clean. All right. James 3, 17. But wisdom that is from above is first pure and peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. It doesn't fake it. It's real. You can't fake it with God because God sees everything. He knows everything. You can't fake it. And you can't just say, well, I, I want this one, but not that one. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. No partiality. God's way. God's choice. His fruits are his fruits. So, over in Isaiah, I'm going to talk about what happened to Lucifer, Satan. What happened? In Isaiah 14, 12, it says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations? Now, see, he actually weakened the nations. He took a beautiful, full, healthy body and weakened it. Peter's mother was weakened. She had a fever. What did Jesus do? He touched her and the fever left because the power of God was in his touch. Have you seen that, Dr. J? 
Yeah, seen it. Where when Satan would come and weaken someone's body and Jesus comes into the room and comes into their life and delivers them, that body is strengthened and Satan is removed. So how did he weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, now this is how, how Satan talks, and this is how you're going to know when it's not the mind of God presenting itself to you. We've learned a few things. How does it make me feel? Am I full of joy? Am I full of peace? Or am I tormented? Am I depressed? Am I full of rage and jealousy? Do any of those things sound like the fruits of the Spirit? No. So right away you know, it's not you, Lord. I reject it. Leave it. For here's Satan. This is how he, how he talked and how he talks today. For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. He wants to stand over you. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. I'm going to be like God. So what did God say about that? See, he wants to assert himself over you. He wants to rule over you. He wants to take the mind of God away from you, displace it, and put his mind in there. That's why you have to know the difference between the mind of Satan and the mind of God. Satan loves to get everything his way. Do you notice how he said, I, 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 me, 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 me. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do it this way. That doesn't suit me. I, 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 me, me, me. No, the Lord is not that way. The Lord is very meek and lowly. The Lord, the spirit of the Lord, it says, esteem the other greater, esteem the other greater, preferring one another. You would prefer her. She would prefer you. You would prefer her when you're interacting. You prefer one another. You don't boss them around or lord over them. You prefer one another. And it works because every one of you is looking how you can do something for the other one. So everybody's taking care of everybody. Isn't that amazing how it works together? You're caring for one another. You're taking up the needs of one another. You know where you fit in that structure. So nobody's having to ask for anything because you're already seeking the Lord, finding out what they need. And if they do ask, you know, out of sincerity and out of need, then be agreeable. Um, my, my daughter doesn't always know what my husband and my needs are. So we ask her and she, yes, mom, yes, dad. And that's the sweetest thing you've ever heard. Now they've heard it. When have you ever heard her say no? Never. Have you ever heard her complain? Anybody? No. Yes, mom. Yep, right away. Okay. Sometimes she'll just, I'll text her and she'll go, okay. And then she's there and does it. Sometimes she doesn't feel real good either. Have you ever seen that? And she'll muster and she'll do it. She pushes past her own flesh because it's not about me, me, I, I. Well, I don't want to because I'm not feeling well. We don't get that. She pushes past that and she presses in 
and takes up because it's a selfless walk. You get rid of me. You get rid of the big I, 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 I. And you start saying, well, Lord, what would you like? Lord, what would you like? It's a most wonderful thing. But see, there's uh, Satan's nature. So if you ever feel that and you start feeling the big, I, I, I don't want to do this. And I, I, I don't want to do that. And what about me? I need more attention. Or You'll watch it. Little kids, they have to learn how to get rid of that. <laughs> Moms are shaking their heads. And you raise them up to learn not to be selfish. How to care for, how to be this perfect example. And you have long suffering and patience, but a consistency, just consistently helping them. All right. So what did the Lord say about that behavior? Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell, to the sides of the pit. That kind of behavior takes you there. Now, I didn't know my behavior took me those places. But once I knew about it, I changed it. See how wonderful God is? Once you know about it, then change it. And you're spared that. He's so merciful. He's so good. So what did Jesus do then? He did something very wonderful for all of us. And it is in effect today. Over in Luke 10, verse 18, it says, And he, speaking of Jesus, said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. He was cast down for that behavior. That me, 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 I, 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 I'm going to be the big shot. I'm going to call all the shots and I'm going to manipulate everything. And I'm going to have everything my way. There's a lot of other behaviors of Satan. Just read your Bible, learn about it. You'll get to know it and then you'll know how to cut him off at the pass. Resist him and he will flee. Well, I beheld him falling as lightning from heaven. And behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Jesus just gave you that. He gave you power to tread on serpents and scorpions. Those stinking things that sting and try and poison you and make you sick. And over all the power of the enemy. Now Satan has a certain amount of power, but he doesn't have more power than you. You have power over him to boot him out, to rule over him, to cast him away from you. This is the charge and the power and authority God gives to his faithful people. The ones that bear fruit, the faithful people of God have this power. That's why you want to bear that fruit. That's why you want to be selfless. That's why you want to pattern yourself after the Lord and reshape yourself like him in your behavior, in your thought patterns in all of it. And this is the charge that he gives us, all of us, his faithful people. Luke 9 verse 1, then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all devils to cure disease. All of them, not 
some of them, all of them, every single last one. I've had ones come at me. I've had one come at me. It tried to afflict me with an asthmatic attack. And I said, oh, no, you don't. And I felt it, the, the inflammation going in my lungs. And in the spirit, I'm going, get the heck out. How dare you try and approach my body? And that thing just went and left. Because I had power and authority over it. And I took and exercised that power and authority by the power and authority of Jesus Christ of Nazareth in me. It had no place in this temple. No way, no how. Ma, be gone. I've had spirits come in front of my face and I said back to them, I smacked them so hard. And I said, you will rue the day you ever came in front of my face. Bugger off. I bind you in chains and I cast you down into the pit of hell. You bugger off. Don't you ever come back and even begin to try and torment any of God's righteous people. Don't you even. Don't you come back and even trouble anybody. You just stay right there until the day of judgment. And you'll receive your reward for your wicked ways and your evil deeds. Mm -hmm. That's what I do. That's what you can do. You have... God gives you that power and authority to do that. All right. Amen. 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 And the more you do it, the stronger you get at it. Be like that centurion. All you have to do is say it and it will be done. But I get in, I'm, I'm smacking a lot. I smack a lot. Oh, man. Oh, oh, another thing that I do is in the spirit. You just visualize it. Put on spiky boots smack them down and then stomp on them till there's nothing left oh yeah why not have fun with it yeah go to town beat those buggers up mm -hmm. they do not belong anywhere near the temple of god the temple that you have it contains the holy ghost that is holy keep it full not just full keep it overflowing so make sure you go up in your mountain wherever it is because what you're going to is the mountain of God. You're lifting yourself above the things of this world when you go into that place where you pray and get along with him. All right. So now we've got power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. Now, see, once you go down into that water of baptism and you come up again and you get the Holy Ghost, it doesn't just stop there. You're embarked on a whole new journey. That whole, see, become, they say, well, you're a new man now. Uh, be warmed and filled with sea. Go. No, 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 no. You got to start taking it on. See, that's why I'm, I am very careful to feed the new sheep, to teach the new sheep, to raise the new sheep up in all those things that God, that they've just obtained and to teach them how to navigate now in the kingdom of God, how to navigate as that new creature, how to get rid of that old man, how to go forward, and how to have authority. Now, I gave you an example of how I talk to some of those things, but you have to recognize them when they present themselves to you. Now, there's your keys. Okay, am I feeling this? The love, joy, and peace, and just get it written out there. Is this how this feels, or am I feeling crappy? Well, leave. Leave my body, leave it now. 
David and I have to fight it off all the time. Any kind of physical affliction that tries to come at us, we just rebuke it and fight it off. And it does leave. It's, it's amazing. Sometimes you just need to have good, good rest too. Just lie down and get a good rest. I'm going to sleep now. Let your body recover. Build it up. Use good wisdom. You know, the herb of the field, well, um, it's there to nurture your body. Use wisdom. Don't put a bunch of chemicals and crap and altered foods in your body and think it's all going to work right. Ah, these things are, you know, these natural carcasses, they need tender love and care. So I uh, use wisdom. How do you get the answers? Go pray. Go to your mountain, pray, ask God, and he will show you. And he'll show you, okay, who has the, this kind of understanding? He'll lead you to them. What, what's going to work for your body? And build it up so it will work for the whole time that you need to be here. All right, so now we've got this ability to have power and authority over all devils. Over in Psalms 149 and verse 6, let the high praises of God be in their mouth. Now, this is your new Christian. Let the high praises of God be in your mouth. From this day forward, just praise God. Praise him. Let that be what's coming out of your mouth. Get in your scripture. If you don't know how to do it, just get in your scripture and start reading. Oh, King David knew how to praise God. Or just say, bless God. Bless his holy name. Bless your holy name. Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I bless you. Just praise him. God, you're a wonderful God. Thank you for healing me. Thank you for making me feel better. Thank you for helping me see what I need to do. You know, just start praising him and thanking him for everything that he's doing in your life. Thank you for giving me this power and authority. Okay, so let the praise of God be in your mouth. And whoa, this is awesome what he's also going to give you. And a two-edged sword in their hand. Do you know what that two-edged sword is? It's the word of God. It cuts in and it cuts out. It will cut people into the kingdom of God and it'll cast things out. It goes both ways. That's why it's got two edges. What is it for? To execute vengeance upon the heathen and punishments upon the people. Foul spirit to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron. Do you remember what I did when I told that spirit it had to leave? I bound it in chains. So if you're going to talk to a spirit and cast it out, you go right to the very core. If And they do dwell inside of people. Here's the thing. They do dwell inside of people. Do you see how they say punishments upon the people? Vengeance upon the heathen. Who's a heathen? Someone that does not have the infilling of the Holy Ghost and has the devil working inside their member. He has a voice too. He talks too. You got to know what his speech is. And if I know um, many times my husband would be on, you know, when he was on a job, there was a time when, you know, we ministered, but we, he was on a natural job. You know, we didn't desire to be burdensome to anybody. We really didn't. Uh, and we didn't of our own selves, God, you know, as his body wore out, the Lord had to take him up. But as long as he was able to put his hand to the plow and work, he did. And he worked hard. He worked hard here mentally. He worked hard before the Lord because he pressed into the Lord for the Lord to show him how to be capable and have a great ability in whatever he set his hand to. And there would be ones that would be working in that workforce and they were the heathen. They had 
very foul nature, very foul behavior. If you look at that outline of the fruits of the Spirit, you wouldn't see any of those things coming out of them. Those things are nasty. Those things are vicious. They're vindictive. They're sneaky. They lie. They cheat. They steal. And they certainly do not like the Holy Ghost. No, the devil doesn't like the Holy Ghost. No way. They want, what does the devil want to do? The devil wants to rule over the Spirit of God. So what is one of those heathens, a, someone with those kind of spirits in them, what are they going to do? They're going to want to put you down. They're want, going to want to sabotage you. They're going to want to torment you some way or another, make life miserable for you. So once one of those would come on to the job, David would come home and he'd get in there and he'd say, Lord, you get them out of there. Lord, you remove that spirit, that unsavory spirit, right out of there. And then he would have long, he would long suffer it, but he would tell the Lord and sure enough, they'd be gone. One thing or another would happen and they would be gone. Why? Because he exercised his authority, his power and authority over those devils and he commanded them to leave. One way or another, they were fired or they just, you know, something would happen and they would be gone. And boy, they couldn't figure out why there was so much turnover. But the ones that were pleasant, he would say, Lord, you bless them. And they were blessed, the ones that were pleasant. And the next thing you know, my golly, by gum, those businesses would prosper. They would flourish and prosper because he was cleaning them out. Why? Because in his back room, he wasn't going up and punching them in the face physically. He was spiritually taking authority in the air with his voice. And he would do whatever he had to do, whatever God would show him to do. And he's had to do that. I'll give you one story. He was in sales. Now, if anyone knows my husband or knew him back then, the people that first hired him, because he, um, by faith, God told them to go from one place to another. He did what God told him to do. And he looked at me and he said, I, I'm gonna hit the pavement. And the very first job that's offered to me, I'm going to take it because God told him to go from this place to that place. He knew he needed a job. He wasn't going to be burdensome to anybody. And he says, the first person that offers me a job, I'm going to take it. So he just hit the pavement and sure enough, there was this sales job. Well, <laughs> if they did a profile on him, they say he absolutely did not have the makeup or the personality at all for sales. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. But he was filled with the Holy Ghost. So what did he do? He pressed into God and he prayed. And he said, Lord, you make me a capable salesperson. You make me the best. By the time the Lord removed him from that position of sales, he was the best top producer. And he did not have the aptitude for it. He did not have the makeup for it. Not at all. He's a very meek man. But he was out one day, and this is when he was in his prime. He knew what he learned on that job. He learned how to have authority over devils. Because with sales and your commission sales, you do not eat if you do not get a sale. So what he learned to do is he learned how to take authority over a devil and rule and reign over them. And they loved him. 
because he knew how to talk to them. He knew how to get the authority. And um, he was out with this man and woman. They were an elderly couple and she was just sweet, very sweet gal. And he was a son of Belial. He was nasty. He was snarly. And David was very kind. And the wife was just, oh, she was so embarrassed. She was mortified. Finally, David looked at him and he said, sir, who pissed in your cornflakes? <laughs> and he, he, he just went, whoa, what the heck? And it, it just woke him up. But when he said that, it shook that man free. He realized what he'd been doing, but he had to call him on it. He had to call him and let him know he was being a real jerk. He was being a real jerk and he needed to smarten up because David wasn't doing anything to deserve his behavior. And the guy all of a sudden had to face it and realize, oh, I am being a real jerk. And after that, they had no problem and he sold them a beautiful, you know, whatever they needed. You know, he made a beautiful sale. And the wife was so thrilled. She was so relieved. Finally, somebody knew how to handle this thing. But yeah, he, he did bear it for a while, but it came to a point and the Lord showed him exactly what to say to him. It seemed like something odd, but he says, you say this to him with power and authority because I know what kind of power was behind that. And he loosed that and that man just snapped too, just like that. So yeah, he can do the strangest things. The Lord will show you how to use that power and authority and enact it in your daily life and keep things where it needs to be. So we can execute vengeance upon the heathen. We can tell the Lord, Lord, he is, he is the one that has vengeance in his hand. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. So you can say, okay, Lord, you have your vengeance on that one and upon the heathen, and punishments upon the people, to bind their kings with chains, and their nobles with fetters of iron. Now their king is whatever rules over that person, that unruly poor person. If Satan's ruling over them, you bind that spirit that is governing over them in chains and cast it away, to execute upon them the judgment written. This honor have all his saints, praise ye the Lord. Do you know you have that honor? to exercise that authority over Satan, over all devils. I don't care who they're in, where they are. You have that authority. All right. Hebrews 4.12, it says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. All you have to do is get in your word. You pray, you talk to God, you say, Lord God, you show me in your word what this is and what you think. And when you find it, you read it out loud and declare it over whatever situation there is. Make that declaration. Use the power and authority that is in this word. I used to do that as a new soul. I mean, I was buffeted, beaded around and taken advantage of so much because it took me a while to get strong. It takes a while. It took David a while to learn how to be a good salesman. You know, he was going home hungry 
many times. And boy, he got real serious real fast. You do. So it's the same in the spirit. Ask the Lord to show you. So I would go home and then the Lord would say, you know, as a new, I would see something playing out and I'm going, wow, that didn't seem like God. And it felt real creepy and left me feeling just drained. I feel like everything's been all the strength sucked out of me. What was that? And then the Lord would say one word. I'd hear one word pop into my head just as a thought, spider. So I'd go look up the word spider in the, in the Bible, go to the concordance and look up the word spider. Next thing you know, I'd be reading a scripture that would be describing what I just saw. And then I would read about the repercussions of that. And I'd say, well, Lord, you get rid of, you know, and I'd get the judgment of God against that spirit and get power and authority over it. And just whatever scenario it is and what you want God to perform, you go into his word because that does not fail. Use his word. Mm -hmm. In Revelations 1.16, and he had in his right hand seven stars and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, the word of God. And his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. Didn't her countenance change? It glowed. It glowed. The more and more and more of God you get in you, your countenance is going to glow. It will glow. It will take on a lifted appearance. It'll start to look different. It'll lift. Okay. And his count shineth in his strength. He had seven stars. Okay. Over in Revelations 1.20, the mystery of the seven stars, which thou sawest in my right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. That's their voice, their angel. The angel is in the voice. Those angels that came into this room, they're waiting to hear what we're telling them to do. So as I'm reading these scriptures out, they're going and they're doing what we're asking them to do. They're taking it up. So if you need help, you just say, Lord God, by the power that you've given me in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I'm commanding peace in my house. Lord God, by the power that you've given me through the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I'm commanding da 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 da. Whatever it is, I'm commanding that one to be cleared out of, my, out of the job site. I'm commanding this one to be delivered of that particular nature, that spirit. Satan, you're bound. I'm binding that spirit. You're bound by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth in chains and cast down into the pit, never to be re return again. You, you stay there until the day of judgment. Make sure you bind them, you cast them down so that they don't return. And I'll tell you why in a bit. And the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. Now, Matthew 16, verse 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Who do, who do men say that I am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some say Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's what Simon Peter said. This is what Jesus said back. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, 
for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. See, it takes the Holy Ghost, it takes God to reveal to somebody who Jesus is. That's why you pray, you wait on him, and you ask God to reveal to you what his word is saying, what he's saying, who he is, what spirit is that, what nature is that. Ask the Lord and speak to him and pray and intercede in your tongues and get along with him and get in your word and utilize it and he will reveal it. It's revealed by the spirit. It's a supernatural thing. Jesus knew. See, the men out there didn't know who Jesus was. They thought he was somebody, you know, from that had been written about or whatever, but they, did, they didn't know who it was. But Simon Peter did. And he said, God revealed that to you. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter. See before here, he was Simon Barjona. Here's where he's renamed. Look at what God says. I say also unto thee that thou art Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. All power and authority over all of it. The gates of hell shall not. It doesn't say might or maybe. It says absolutely shall not prevail against it. The name Peter means stone. See how, how Jesus renamed him right there and he became Peter. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. It's eternal. It's permanent. Then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ because it was almost his hour and he need, needed to stay hidden. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. That was a shocker. Could you imagine? He had to tell him, okay, now I'm going to be going into Jerusalem and they're going to kill me. And then I will rise again on the third day. That's why he told them, don't tell anybody where I am. He knew his hour was upon him. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. Now see, Peter had just been given this great rename and all this power and authority, but he wasn't yet converted. He didn't know that God knew what he was doing, that he was talking to the whole, the son of God and the purpose of God was going to be wrought in this. He got his own mind in there. So how did Jesus talk to him? Now, see, this is how you can answer a wrong spirit. But he turned and said unto Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. He rebuked him right then and there. He knew it wasn't Jesus talking. If you've got a devil coming into your face and it's not Jesus talking, you can counter that devil. Have I ever done that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't have to get into a fist fight to do it, do I? I can just very plainly tell them. Nope. 
yeah, however I need to address it. Who pissed in your cereal? However you need to address it. I hope you don't mind I use that. My husband is a farmer. He tells it like it is. Paul did too. Use very rude and crude speech at times. So answer according to the need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. No more me. No more I, I, I. You deny yourself what you want what you want to do, how you want it to be, you put that away. You deny yourself. Take up his cross and follow me. Just do what the Lord tells you to do. Follow his example. Line up with his structure that he has in front of you. For whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. If you're going to continue to fight to do it your way, I want it my way. I want it like this. I don't feel like doing that. You're going to lose your life eternally. You're going to lose it. And you're going to lose your life here too, because you're going to be ruled and run by Satan. He's going to be over your head, buffeting you around. And trust me, he's not nice. He doesn't play nice. He does not play nice. Mm -hmm. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. Not only are you going to get blessing right here, you're going to have the ability to call joy into your life and peace into your life and, and all the rest of it, all the good things of God, you're going to be able to have a fulfilled life here and you will have an eternal life, an eternal life. Just follow with God's plan, follow with his course, do it his way. Learn very early on. I would always look at the list of things to do and I would pick the thing I most wanted not to do. And I'd do that. And the reason I would do that was to put my flesh under. I would make it do what it didn't want to do. So I would do it. Well, I'm going to go do that. <laughs> And my flesh just went under and under until it was, okay, okay, come and do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I learned to do that. I had to train my flesh to die out. I, I, and I would interact with God to do it. Pray in tongues, get in your word, read your scripture, read it out loud, exercise that power and authority over those spirits, over the devil, command him to leave and he shall flee, rebuke him, reject him, and he'll leave. Yeah, whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? You're not going to take the world with you. Or what should a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. So whatever you do here will determine what you're going to receive when you leave this life. So that's why I say you're building a reward in the hereafter every time you take up the care of another or whatever it is that God gives you to do. Yeah, it's true. That's why you get your children to learn to take care of one another and do things for someone else and be selfless. And train them in that way. Verily I say unto you, there shall be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Now Jesus knew that he was going to be crucified. He knew he was going to go down into the nether parts for those three days. 
and three nights and he knew he was going to rise again and he knew he was going to meet them and he knew they were going to see him ascend up into the clouds and go above all the heavens. He ascended above all the heavens and he stood on the right, he sat on the right hand of the Father. He went to where God is mm -hmm. in God's glorious kingdom. Now, he gave Peter that power to bind and loose. Now, I had an apostle tell me, you should look up the meaning of bind and loose and dig in. Now, by digging in, it means just go a little deeper. So what I did is I went into the Strong's, and I'm going to try and go through this as quickly as I can, because it's awesome. <laughs> okay, Strong's definition of bind is a primary verb to bind, literally or figuratively, be bound in bonds, knit, tie, wind. You notice how I said you just bind them in chains? So we have that power to bind them in chains. And in the spirit, that is what's happening. That spirit was bound in chains when you do that. It means to bind, tie, and fasten, to bind, fasten with chains, to throw into chains. So you have that authority. So you know, if you're going to cast a spirit out, bind it in chains. Satan is said to bind a woman bent over by means of a demon as a messenger taking possession of the woman and preventing her from standing upright. Yeah, Satan can do that. And that's why Brother Bob was able to take people and with withered arms or whatever and say, Satan, you're a liar. And their arm would just come right out straight. And, and in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, this time next week, I'm going to have fingers grown back on the end of my stubs. And the next week when he saw his brother, his brother says, oh, yeah, well, let me see those fingers. And he held his hand up and they had not only fingers on there, but fingernails when they were gone because they'd been eaten off in cancer, from cancer, with cancer. Yes, we have that ability to remove these things out of people's lives, to bind, put under obligation of the law or duty. To See, Satan wants to put you under obligation to him, make you think that he's in control and he wants to manipulate you. Uh-uh, know your word. You are not obligated to anything, only God. You listen to what Jesus tells you to do. You listen to what God the Father tells you to do and that is it, nothing else. Okay, to be bound to one, like a wife or a husband, they're bound by that what God puts together, let no man put asunder. Now, God does have provision. If there's an, uh, if the unbelieving depart, let them depart. The Lord is, uh, they're not guilty in such cases, but God has called them to peace. And there are some cases like that because you can't dwell with a devil. Jesus doesn't dwell with a devil. But that's, that's God's call and God will do, you know, he does make provision for that. But you don't go out of your way to try and be loosed when it's not God. When God, when you're uh, instrumental in peradventure saving that spouse with your godly behavior, with your demonstration of that complete conversion that you're going through and this new behavior that you're showing. And they're going, what is this? I like it. And give them the word. Have that seasoned word and, and let them know how awesome God is. Sing his praises and ask God to show you how to do it with wisdom. He'll give you that wisdom. To forbid, prohibit, declare to be illicit. See, to bind is to forbid. See, the devil right now is trying to forbid people from gathering together. They're trying to, for one, 
one governor I, I heard about was trying to forbid people from singing in church or um, speaking in tongues in a congregation. They tried to forbid them. Now, is that God? No. Are you bound to that? No. No. Yeah, but Satan will try and forbid you from serving God. He'll try and prohibit you from feeling good and having joy. He'll try and declare it to be illicit, but it's not. It's not. Don't fall. Don't let anything bind you. Be bound to God and his law. Bind that in your heart. Bind that in your member and hold fast to that. Going in deeper, a cross-reference to bind. It is or was necessary when it's necessary. It is necessary. There is need of it. It behooves is right and proper. When it's right and proper, you bind something and remove it. When it's necessity lying in the nature of the case, when there needs to be a removing, a binding and removing, necessity brought on by circumstances or by the conduct of others towards us. There were times when there was necessity to pray certain things out, to bind them in chains and cast them down and remove them out of your life. If there are things that are operating in your life that are damaging to you, then you use the power and authority that God has given you through the Holy Ghost and through his word and through his glorious name. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I bind this affliction in chains and I cast it far from me and I, I bind it down to the pit of hell to be reserved there and never to return. Never. Don't, don't just cast it out. You got to bind it up and cast it off and down to the pit. Mm -hmm. Necessity in reference to what is required to attain some end. I've got to end this torment. Then use that authority and bind it. A necessity of law and command, of duty, of equity. You have a duty before God to stand bound by his commandments, to love one another, to love him above all else, and to love one another. Mm -hmm. Necessity established by the counsels and decree of God, especially by that purpose of his, which relates to the salvation of men by the intervention of Christ, and which is disclosed in the Old Testament prophecies. Bind those things, utilize those things, enact those things. As a Christian, you have that authority. God gave it to you. Jesus gave it to you. And he gave everything for you to have that ability. We're going to go down a little further to another cross-reference, going deeper into the definition of bind. It means to beg as binding oneself, that is petition. You get in there, remember that fervent prayer, that fervent, passionate prayer that doesn't take no for an answer, that fervent prayer of a righteous man. You've got to be righteous to get those prayers moving. You stand on that righteousness of God. You line up with his word. You do it his way. You get rid of the self-will and you stand before him. He has to honor his word. Stand on his word. 
That centurion knew that Jesus had power and authority. Know that you have that power and authority through the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth when you are righteous and you're standing holy before him. Mm -hmm. So beseech, pray to make requests. So there's an act of entreaty on your part. To want, you have to want it. You have to want it. Lack. To desire or long for, to ask, to beg, the thing asked for, pray, make supplications. So it is good to go a little bit deeper. Get in and know what binding really entails and, and what you're, uh, how to obtain it. Be serious, be sober, be vigilant, be immovable. It's not maybe might, it's he will, he will do it. The Strong's definition of loose, a primary verb to loosen, to break up, destroy, dissolve. I literally, you notice how I just pound and pound and pound and pound and then I get my spiky boots on and I stomp and stomp and stomp in the spirit. Destroy and dissolve it. In the spirit, I do, I have that warfare in the spirit. In my mind, I go after them and I use the word of God. I vocalize it. You leave. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, you leave and don't you ever come back. You go straight to the pit and then you can start binding them and getting them down there. Destroy and dissolve. Some of them I take a flamethrower to if they're particularly nasty. Sometimes you just have to fast and pray to get your flesh out of the way and get that power of God just loosed. You do whatever it takes to get it. To loose, melt, put off. Hey, that fire that Holy Ghost fire, melt it right down. Like I say, I take a flamethrower to it. There's no better flamethrower than God. Get in and pray in those tongues, call down fire and loose it. Mm -hmm. Loose any person or thing tied or fastened. If they're bound by a spirit that continually troubles them, loose them with the power and authority of God. They have to want it. They have to want it and they have to do their part. But you get your voice and you activate it and you get them when they're loosed and free. You get them praising God and claiming that and resisting that and doing the same thing. That's why I say you take that authority over it. Do not allow it back in. All right. Mm -hmm. To loose one bound, unbind, release from the bond, set free. One bound up, bound with chains as a prisoner, discharge, discharge from prison, let go. To loosen, dissolve anything bound or compacted together. You know, if that thing wants to attach itself to a soul, you get rid of it. Do it with your power and authority. An assembly to dismiss or break up. Laws is having binding force to annul and subvert, to do away with, to deprive of authority. You do not allow a devil to have authority over you. They don't have the right. Don't give them the authority to rule over you. Get to know what the devils are like. Get to know what they sound like, what they talk like, and you do not allow them authority over you. Mm-hmm. Do declare, declare it unlawful. It is not lawful for you to trouble the house of God. It is not lawful to you to enter into the temple of God. It's not lawful. 
Mm-hmm. Mm to loose what is compacted or built together, break up, demolish, destroy. Dissolve something coherent into parts to destroy it, to overthrow, to do away with. Do away with those old natures and those old behaviors. Do away with those old patterns. Do away with them. Break it up and get rid of it and line up with God. Mm -hmm. Yep. A shattering to minute fragments. Yeah. When God falls on something, it's ground to powder. Sometimes I'll do that in the spirit. I'll just envision it just ground to powder. I saw one, I saw one serpent coming in the spirit and I just pounded that head and I stomped it all over and then it was a bunch of little things. And so I just went and ground that thing into powder. Just stay at it and stay at it and stay at it until they're gone. Do it with your prayers. Do it with your word. Do it with your steadfast, rejecting it, refusing it, binding it, removing it, and then replace it with something better. Joy, love, peace. All I mean, just go on and on praising God. Start praising God. Those things can't stand it. They cannot stand it. I can hear them squealing and running. Oh, they are pitiful. You have all power and authority to break, wreck, or crack, shattering into minute fragments. All right. Also, when you've been loosed, now when you've been loosed, when a soul's been loosed, they will give vent to joyful emotions. They're going to be joyful. That's why just start praising God. Start praising, praising God. Yep. To break forth into joy. Ever heard an infant just peals of laughter? Or what about a dumb or a mute person? Dumb here meaning mute person beginning to speak. If they've never been able to speak and all of a sudden they can speak and they can speak clearly. Brother Bob, his voice, his voice box, you've heard him. His voice box was eaten out with cancer and he had to speak with a megaphone, an electronic device that he would hold up to his voice box so it could be heard. It was so damaged. And people would say, well, you know, and he'd say, well, my voice is healed. Well, no, it's not. Yes, it is. My voice is healed. And he would say that over and over and over. And this went on for a long, long time. And anytime anybody would ask him about his voice, he said, my voice is healed. And then one day, because God, God was exercising his faith that it wasn't, wouldn't be shaken or moved. So he would just proclaim it healed. Then one day, God restored his voice and he could shout from the rooftops. But see, up until that time, my voice is healed. He proclaimed it. He stood on it. He wouldn't be moved. So, but God did that to make those muscles strong. Make those muscles strong. And, and then he could shout. There was nothing wrong with his voice. Not at all. Mm -mm. Okay. All right. So you've got the idea. You can be loose, loose a soul and you loose them from those bondages. You, you break them down. Now here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing. This is why you need to go to your mountain. You need to pray in tongues and you need to get to know the word of God. Over in Mark 3, 27, 
No man can enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he will first bind the strong man. That binding. And he will spoil his house. If you don't recognize the spirit and it comes in and it gets a hold of you, it'll bind you and you're going to be limited. You're, you're not going to uh, have the ability that you have and your house will be destroyed. He'll take you down. That's all devil. That's all he wants to do. He walks to and fro upon the face of this earth to seek who he can devour and destroy and take out of the kingdom of God. So you have to know him. You have to know his tactics and you have to be like Jesus there when it, Satan spoke through Peter. Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me. When they try to present themselves to me, mm -mm, I will not receive it. So how, how did I learn that? Through experience. Getting in, knowing my word and praying. All right, over in Luke, 1121, when a strong man armed, and that means fully armed with the word of God, keepeth or guards his palace, his goods are in peace. When you're prayed up and you're strong and you maintain it and you don't receive anything that's not of God, your goods are going to be in peace. That's when your household's going to be at peace. But when a stronger than he shall come upon him and overcome him, he taketh from him all his armor wherein he trusted at and divideth his spoils. He will destroy your house. If you allow a, a devil to rule and take authority, you cannot allow a devil to take authority in your life, in your mind, none of it. In your home, you have to keep your home and the authority of God. Number one, keep your house clean. This is why God in his great mercy and ultimate wisdom has given the fivefold ministry and this is that we may help those that are snared. Now, the one thing I wanted to add in here before I, I finish it out with this, there's a reason why you bind a spirit. Like a spirit can be cast out of you. There's two things you need to do. You need to stay full of the Holy Ghost so that it's overflowing. You need to go to the mount. You need to be in your word, reading your word. You need to be praying in tongues and getting the infilling of the Holy Ghost and having it pouring out. So nothing can enter into you. Because remember, these things dwell in people. Over in Luke 11, verse 24, it says, when the unclean spirit is gone out of a man. Now, when you get delivered and that unclean spirit leaves, not when you go down to water baptism, all those spirits have left you. When you've gone down under holy hands in the fullness of Christ for the remission of sins, Everything of your past is gone. It's washed away and you come up brand new and you're clean. None of those things are in you. So the unclean spirit has gone out of a man. He walketh around, walketh through dry places seeking rest. So those spirits are out there now. They used to be in you. They're not in you now. So they're going to be walking around looking for a dry place. And they're going to seek rest. And finding none, if they can't find a place to enter, he saith, I will return unto my house whence I came out. They're going to come back. And when he cometh, he findeth swept and garnished. Oh, okay. If it's swept and garnished, okay, it's nice and clean. Well, good. I'm, I'm, then what does he do? Then he goeth and taketh to him seven other spirits more wicked than themselves, himself. And they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. That is why you get filled with the Holy Ghost. 
you continue to keep yourself full and you do not allow anything in. Remember that glass of water and keep pouring? Those things try and enter back, they're not going to be able to. If you are full of the Holy Ghost, if you just go down in the water, you come up, you get the Holy Ghost, and then you just go off and live life like you did before and not keep yourself full, those things are going to come back. Brother Bob actually saw that when he would travel the circuit. He would travel and um, go to the tent revivals and he would be casting demons out of people. And he said every time he would do the circuit and he'd come back, he'd see the same people there with the same spirits and he'd have to cast them out again. Go, what's going on here? That's when he realized he needed to establish churches. He had to establish the fivefold ministry and teach people how to get full and how to fill their vessels up and how to resist those things and take authority over it so that they will maintain that clean house and nothing else can enter in. So you have to do your part and you, and you need to be taught. And that is what I'm doing today. I'm taking you from that whole new creature that's come up and I'm giving you the equipment that you need to have to maintain that clean, clear, full house of God down inside your earthen vessel. And then those things cannot come in. You know, that's why we bind them. That's why we put them in chains. Brother Bob learned that in another tent revival where he cast a spirit out of a woman. It jumped out of her, went down a few rows, jumped into someone else because he didn't bind it and cast it to the pit. He just cast it out. So it just jumped over to someone else. And then it spoke to that woman or that person. And they said, well, we, they like it here, like us. We're going to stay here. And they didn't want, that person didn't want to leave. Let it go. You can't deliver it out of somebody that doesn't want to let it go because they'll just invite it back in. So there's a responsibility of every soul to, and after that, he always bound a spirit when he cast it out and put it down in the pit so that it couldn't go jump into someone else. Do you get it? That's what you do. You take those things and you loose the person and you bind that spirit and cast it down into the pit. So it can't go trouble anybody else. Have mercy. Have mercy on the souls out there. Mm -hmm. So here we are. So there are ones, there's going to be different, you know, when um, people first start their walk, they're going to have overcomings and things that they're going to face. And here's why. Like I was just giving an example why there had to be a structure built. So people can be taught, they could be made strong, they could be helped during this process of rooting and grounding and becoming established. You don't just baptize them and then shove them out there and say, you're good to go. You've got to get them equipped. And over in 2 Timothy 2 verse 24, and the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient. It does take patience. In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledgement of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. 
Do you see why I gave you all the equipment you need today to recover yourself? You've had that great deliverance. You've had that wonderful baptism. If you haven't, seek the Lord. He'll show you how to obtain it. Reach out to him. He'll lead you. And when you get it, follow this outline from him, how to maintain what God, that clean and garnished house, your body, the temple that now contains the Holy Ghost. Make sure you get that infilling. Keep that infilling going. Go to your mountain. Read your word. Exercise that authority over spirits. Learn about spirits so you can recognize them. They may have had you buffaloed. They may buffalo you at times, but get in the Lord. Say, Lord, this doesn't feel right. This doesn't look right. Get in his word. He'll reveal it to you. He's the discerner of all things, and he will show you how to cast it out. It's going from faith to faith to glory to glory, and you will grow and you will prosper and you will flourish. All the keys are there. Just follow them. I love you all. Lord bless you all with a great and mighty blessing of power and authority and victory in the Lord in your wonderful journey and labor for him. Bless God. That was an incredible message from our beloved friend, Trish. I love how she said, do whatever it takes. Your soul is worth it. Your eternal habitation is worth it to do whatever it takes, as she said. So awesome that power and authority of God is what delivers that great victory for each one of us. As we line up with God, we get the victory that Christ earned over sin, sickness, and disease. In Revelation 7:12, it says, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. This is Get Your Love on Radio. We're so blessed to have you here today. Even more blessed to be able to deliver this true, pure, and incredible Word of God. It's so rare, and it is a time that God is reaching out. As you heard from our friend Trish, she want, the Lord wants those who will make themselves available for His work and for to learn of His ways. The more we do that, the more we'll see, oh, this is the coolest life, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Don't forget, you can always go to our YouTube channel. Check out some amazing teaching videos. This podcast is available on Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play. Coming soon to Amazon Audible as well. And you can always go to getyourloveon.org. There's everything linked at, at our website, as well as additional teaching. Bible studies on water baptism, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, how to use the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And then, of course, you can reach out to us. We love to hear from you. We love to pray for you. We love to know what the Lord's showing you and how he's impacting your life and increasing your walk. We're here for you. We're here to bless all those that want God with all their heart, all their mind, and all their soul. Well, it's been a pleasure to be here with you past two hours. We'll be back next week from 9 to 11 a.m. Pacific time. And until then, Lord bless your week. Hope to hear from you soon.
Just a simple message, but that doesn't mean it's wrong. I keep my love on. If I were you, and I'm a simple singer, but my heart and mind are strong. I keep my love on. Yes, I do. You must dream in color, ask your questions, 'cause life does not give honorable mentions. Thinking more than two dimensions, in case your tightrope loses tension. I'll be here if ever you need a friend. You know I will, and I'll be here too to lend a friendly hand. 